But I am excited to be uh, with you guys this morning. Family. We've been talking about family for the past few weeks, and I want to continue on that topic this morning in talking about family. So how are you guys doing this morning, family? You guys doing well? Has anyone shaken your hand this morning and told you how awesome you are? It, not everybody said amen. So just look at the person next to you, shake their hand, hug their neck, tell them how beautiful they look this morning, let them know how much you appreciate them, how awesome they are, how much Jesus loves them. Come on, let's not just do church as normal. Let's do family. Meet one another. Say hello. Connect. Exchange email addresses after church. <laughs> it's amazing. Take one another out for coffee. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, God bless you guys big time. I, um, I, I was... Um, I was really excited to have Asif uh, transition our worship. Wasn't that wonderful? Man, really ministered to us. Worship today as a whole was just phenomenal. You guys are phenomenal. Just everything about what we're doing this morning is phenomenal. Jesus is phenomenal. It's, it's, all, it's all good, really. You know, it's all good. So I'm excited. You know, I was... I was um, moved this week as I was preparing to speak because I really put together three sermons. So we're going to be here for, no, I'm just kidding. No, what I'm praying is, is that the Holy Spirit would just simply help me to say what needs to be said this morning, because honestly, I don't have a canned uh, message to preach to you guys. I, I'm just going to be uh, transparent. Is that all right? Um, I, I don't have that this morning. I, I have... Um, about, yeah, about three full sermons worth of notes. So please don't be scared by that because I'm not going to give three full sermons. Uh, but I've just been thinking a lot about this topic of family. I've been praying. I've been meditating on the scriptures, looking at the Bible through the lens of family. And so we've been talking about that for the last three weeks. Um, it's not just the nuclear family that we've been talking about. You know, your mom, your dad, your brothers, your sisters, your sons or your daughters. But we're talking about your spiritual family. How many of you guys know that when you got born again, you were born into a family? Amen? In the same way that you were born into a family, when you are born again, you are also born into a family. And that family is called the family of God, a.k.a. the church, right? I know, I know some people don't like that per se because they're like, I don't like the church. Well, really, there's nothing we can do about it. If we're saved, we're a part of the capital C church, the universal church, the worldwide, the global body of Christ, the church of Jesus. We are a part of that if he has saved us. So if you're part of the church, just say amen. amen. You guys are all part of the church, and I'm happy about it. And, uh, you know, I've noticed in my reading of the scriptures, there's nowhere in the New Testament that we are taught to receive the Lord Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior. I, said, I told you I was going to say things that were offensive, okay? 
Now, have you guys ever recognized that before? I mean, because that is the common speech that we hear when we talk about salvation. Receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Have you received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? You guys ever heard that before? You know, you'll never find that specifically said in that way in the Scriptures. It's very interesting, isn't it? You know, when Jesus taught us to pray, he didn't say, personal, individual, Father, who lives in heaven, holy is your name. What did he say? He said, our, come on, you guys know this, our Father, right? So he wasn't saying just my Father. Jesus didn't uh, teach us to pray and say, my Father, right? Our Father. He taught us to begin our prayers with our Father, That means not just my dad, but our dad, right? Our Father who lives in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So if we're praying your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, that means that we are called to release a family move of the Spirit where people are uniting around the Father that is good. Amen? Um, On earth as it is in heaven, forgive us. Everybody say us. us. This day, right? Oh, you didn't have to repeat that part, but that's okay. <laughs> Forgive us, right? Us. Not just me and my personal trespasses or me and my personal sins, but forgive us our sins, our trespasses, right? It's not just praying for myself, but I'm praying for my family. I'm praying for the body, right? Your kingdom come. Your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. Forgive us our sins, right? Give us our daily bread. How about that part of the, of the prayer? Give us our daily bread. Have you ever noticed that? That when Jesus taught us to pray, he didn't say, I just want you to seek what you need for yourself, but I actually want you to pray to me and seek me on behalf of the good of those around you. I want you to seek me on behalf of your family. I want you to seek me on behalf of your church family. I want you to seek me on behalf of your city. I want you to seek me on behalf of your nation. Because I'm really into blessing you as an individual. But what I'm really passionate about is blessing you as a family. Have you guys ever thought about this before? I don't know, man. It's just, I've been thinking about it, all right? Because I, I'm wrestling with some of the, uh, some of the thoughts I've had in, in times past about, you know, how I feel about my connection to God and just how it's uh, all about me. Can I get a witness, right? You know, it's like, it doesn't matter if I meet anybody at church because I'm just going there for my encounter. You know what I mean? I'm just punching my time clock or, you know, I'm really interested in hearing my favorite song. And really, when, when God instructs us to come together, it's, it's more about us than it is about you. Right? So, so what would happen if we as a community, if we truly took the Bible and the culture of the New Testament church as a family, if we took it seriously, what would that look like for us? What would that mean? That's what I want to explore a little bit today as I talk to you guys. And I want to talk a little bit about the truth of family, the tension of family, and just continue a conversation, all right? If I don't get through it, I don't mind. That's okay. It doesn't matter. We're going to receive communion at the end. So it's just going to be a fun day altogether, right? So do you guys want to hear a scripture? Scripture. 
I'm hungry for the Word of God. How about you guys? So um, open your Bible to Genesis chapter 1. If you don't know where that is, um, it's right in the front. Just help your neighbor. It's an easy one to find. Genesis chapter 1, you can look it up on your app if you'd like. Genesis 1, 27 and 28. It's a throwback, all right? It's a throwback. We're going to talk about our first parents, Adam and Eve, and what took place in the garden as God formed our first parents. Genesis 1, 27, 28 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. Look at your neighbor and say, you're blessed. And God said to them. Now, I want you to hear this, not just as God speaking to Adam and Eve, but as God speaking to you, all right? Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's timeless, that it's eternal, that it's, it's alive. And so we just ask the word to minister to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So what we see here in Genesis chapter one is we see God, we see Elohim, right? Yahweh, we see him creating man in his own image. Now, when God creates the world, one of the first things that he does is he creates family to then shape that world, right? That's what's happening in Genesis chapter 1. So you have this huge planet, right, of land and sea that God, God has been creating. You have animals, you have plants, you have this life that's happening. And what God does is he sets up family, Adam and Eve and their children, be fruitful and multiply, as his primary tool to shape both nature and society, So he says, here's what's going to be my tool, how I'm going to shape the culture. I'm going to do it through family. So he begins with family. i got to be honest with you guys. I really think that family was God's plan A to both cultivate the planet and plunder the works of the devil. That was was God's idea for family. You know, he he, he spoke to Eve and the serpent, right? He said, you're going to bruise uh, her heel, but she's going to bruise your head. God said, I'm going to use family as the primary vehicle for plundering the works of hell. I like that. What about you guys? That's what God said he'd use family for. And, and I, I, I get excited about plundering the works of the devil. You'll have to excuse me. So family has always been God's preferred and primary method for world change. Family has always been God's preferred and primary method for world change. Once more, I'm not just talking about the nuclear family, all right? We see that in the Old Testament. And if you want some, some more history and some more evidence of that, I want to just invite you, go back, listen to our podcast two weeks ago. Uh, I give a lot of foundation uh, to this subject of family. But I, as, I'm, as I'm looking through the scriptures, guys, I really cannot separate God's idea of what family is from his plan to cultivate the planet, to plunder the works of the devil, and to advance his kingdom. Because that's the way that God set it up. You know, I, I, I want to tell you guys a quick story about my wife and I. I, I promise it won't be incriminating. Um, 
But when Allison and I, we started dating, we were, we were long distance. You remember that, sweetheart? It was so far away. It was so sad. I know it's sad. Uh, I was here in Nashville, and uh, Allison was living in Redding, California. And we started our relationship on Valentine's Day over Skype. It just doesn't get any better, right? They, yeah, it was, the stars were aligned. It was so good. Um, so we spent a lot of late nights on the phone, two, three o'clock. She was two hours behind me, so I was really suffering. This was, a, this was long-suffering love. You know, it was like 5 a.m. here in Nashville, and you know, it's like 3 uh, in Reading. So we're talking, and you guys know how this works, right? You start to grow in relationship. So what do you do? You start to talk about family, right? You start to talk about, you know, well, what was your family like, or what's your idea of family, or what do you want in family? Right, and we, we were kind of sharing that back and forth, and we started to talk about children. You, you guys know this story, right? I mean, not just ours, but is it unique? No, I mean, I'm sure that all of you married couples in here have had that, had that experience. So we start to talk about kids. Oh, you know, when do you want to have kids? Do you want to have boys? Do you want to have girls? You know, what do you think? Do you, do you want to have a big family? You want to have a small family? And uh, she told me at the time, she was like, maybe three, probably two, but maybe three. And uh, I told her then, like I tell her now all the time, uh, as many as possible, right? Just, just have a, let's have a full house. Let's have a football team. I don't care, right? Um, and so I, I, I tell people jokingly all the time when they ask me, well, how many kids do you guys want to have? I always say as many as my wife wants, right? Because I'm there. I get to like, you know, see the baby born, but she has to actually, you know, push that baby out. So, you know, I'm just like... We'll, we'll, let the, uh, we'll let the authority lie with her, right? However many kids you want to have, I'm good with. Um, but but as, as, as marriage approached, you know, we, were, we weren't just planning our wedding, guys. We were planning our marriage. And if you're taking notes, that's a good tip right there. Melissa Phillips, my mother, told me that. She said, don't spend more time planning your wedding than you do your marriage. So we started to plan our marriage, and, and my mom's a marriage counselor, by the way, so she sent me this long list of, of questions. She said, you guys need to ask each other all these questions, and we did that. We, we, were, we were traveling down from Reading to Los Angeles together in a rental car, and so because we were getting to know each other, we, we went through that whole list of my mom's 100 questions. Super fun. Yeah, it was very fun. It was awesome. I mean, we had eight hours down and eight hours back. I mean, it's a long trip, right? So, so we're asking each other. And, and so we're talking, and, 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 and as we get to know each other, the relationship gets more serious, you know. And then all of a sudden, as we're speaking about <clears throat> kids, you know, she's like, I could have kids super quick once we get married. And I was like, mm, three to five years, Right? We got things going on in our life, you know. We, we're, we're planting a church. We can't have a baby, you know. We're planting a church. We're very busy, you know. I, I would really like to travel some and see the world, just the two of us. We don't need to have any babies anytime soon. Let's put that off, you know. In, in my late 30s, you know, maybe your early 30s, because I totally, my wife's younger than me, married up big time. Uh, I love that about, about, I'll be, you know, 65, 70. She'll be looking 40. I just, it's a good thing. And, uh, 
you know, here's, here's the crazy thing is like we, we actually came to a conclusion together. We said, okay, we're gonna wait three to five years before we have any kids. You know, probably five was my hope. Five to the maximum, five, right? And um, I don't know if for you guys who are married in here if you had this experience as well, but it was really crazy. Honestly, when we got married, I mean, the first day that we were married, I remember waking up next to my wife for the first time ever and thinking to myself, first thought I had the next morning was, man, we could have kids. <laughs> I'm, I'm being serious. I was like, we have a kid right now. <laughs> Anybody else have that experience? I don't know. Is that just me? Was that unique? You know what I'm talking about, though. You're like, you're like kids, five years eight years, but then as soon as you're married, there's just something on the inside that says, let's have some kids. <laughs> okay, am I, okay, we're the only one. Uh, no, oh, Bill raised his hand. Okay, so there's a few of you guys. Yep, Cassie and Steven, they've only been married like six months. They're like, kids, kids, and I'm like, no, wait, you know. But, you know, honestly, I get it. I totally get it. I understand because I, I had the same experience. And, and so um, my wife and I, we were really talking about it a lot, and we decided that we would wait a year and a half. And that's what we said. Okay, we'll wait a year and a half, and then we'll have, you know, we'll have a baby. And uh, what's crazy is, is that when we started trying to get pregnant, we were already pregnant. <laughs> so weird, you know? We, we were like, we're going we're gonna to try. Oh, we're pregnant. And I know that's not everybody's experience, okay? And the point of this message is not when or why you should try to have kids, okay? That's not the point of my sermon today. But I do believe that there is this, this natural byproduct of covenant that says, I want to produce, right? I want to reproduce. I want to share this love with another human being because you know, our love for each other is powerful. Our commitment to one another is dynamic. And from this covenant marriage, the natural thing for us to do is have some kids. Now, that may look different for you than it did for us. You may adopt a kid. You may foster a kid. You may, um, you may, you may take care of your, your, your siblings' kids. I mean, whatever that looks like for you, it's, you know, it, it will look like. Like I said, that's not the point of my message. I just know that the, the natural fruit, the natural byproduct... Of, of covenant commitment within the context of marriage is to have offspring. Do you guys all agree with me on that point? Um, and I, I think that this comes from Genesis chapter 1, the, the passage that we just read, because, because when, when God released this recipe for world change, he said, I want it to happen within the context of family. So what he did was he wanted a family in covenant with one another to be intimate and then to produce fruit. Right? So how many of you guys know that fruitfulness flows out of intimacy? If you're going to have a kid, you've got to be intimate. If, if I, spoiler alert. Right? If you didn't know that. But God's plan, you guys, I believe this to be true, has always been family unto fruitfulness. I believe that was God's plan in Genesis chapter 1 when he said, here, here's Eve. And it says that they were married and then Adam knew his wife Eve. Do I have to break down what that word no means? <laughs> right? He was intimate. It's the, it's the Hebrew word yada, which we have the New Testament Greek word genosko that means the same thing. Whenever Joseph had not known Mary until after Jesus was born. Right? And so we see that 
Adam and his wife Eve, they know each other, and then out of the context of a covenant commitment in marriage, fruit is produced, right? So have I laid a good foundation? My wife says yes, so I'm going to move on. But I do believe with all my heart that this is God's plan. God desires that healthy families grow and that through family, his kingdom advances. Guys, let's and elevate the perspective because I'm not just talking about your nuclear family, your husband or your wife or your parents, okay? I'm talking about your spiritual family. As, as we talk about family in here, you know, we're going to need to put on a perspective that says fruit is going to come forth out of this conversation. You guys with me? So whenever some, when, a, when a woman becomes pregnant, what do people say about her? They say, she is expecting. Everybody say expecting. Right? Oh, we're expecting. We're expecting, and you see it. You, 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 you know, the conversation is around family. The conversation is around the commitment to one another, to these children that are coming forth, right? And everyone says, oh, they're expecting well, guys, I want you to know that that same expectation, the expectation that fruit is on its way, is how we need to be posturing our heart right now as a church. We need to say to one another, you're pregnant, right? We're, we're expecting, are you guys with me? As a community, as a family, we are expecting because if we're going to start to talk about family, there's no way that we can talk about family without talking about what family produces. If you're going to talk about family, then you've got to talk about fruit. Because God's design from the beginning was that he would, he would, he would release family and then that family would produce fruitfulness. All right? So as we, as we talk about this, um, I, I, I want to say this. As we're talking about family, we've got to talk about fruit. But also, if we're going to practice family, then we need to prepare for our church to grow because that's where God sends the lonely. And I'm not just talking about God sending the lonely into church. I'm talking about God placing the lonely, Psalm 68 and 6, into family. So if we're going to talk about family, if we're going to practice family, what we should expect is for our church to grow. See, this is not a church growth sermon. What I'm telling you guys is, as we become more like a family, we should expect fruit. And so we need to start posturing our hearts together now for what that fruit is gonna look like because we only have so many months. Is this, a, is this uncomfortable for you guys? Uh, it's, it's got a prophetic edge to it, and I realize that, but it's really what I felt like God wanted to say this morning. We are expecting... If we're going to keep talking about family, guys, we're going to have to start talking about fruit. Right? So here, here, here's the first thing. When, I, when I'm talking about fruit, guys, I'm talking about growth. I feel like God's spoken to me a little bit about 2017, and he's proclaimed to me that 2017 is going to be a year of growth. That's what God spoke to me. And I, I think that it's about us growing, and I'm not just talking about numerically, I'm talking about us growing in every way that God desires to bless us, which is in every way. 
I, re- I really do believe that, you guys. And so as we talk about family and we start to expect the fruit, here's the first thing that I want you to expect the fruit to look like. New people coming to church. <laughs> but here's the thing. How many of you guys know that babies are not ideal people? They are real people, right? So if I could have it my way, my daughter would never cry between the hours of 9 p.m. and 9 a.m. That would be awesome, right? But it just doesn't really work out that way ever. You know, my son, hey, Isaiah, he's eating a, he's eating a, a, a fruit package or something. Um, nightly, this kid takes his pacifier out and throws it over the crib and then cries loudly into the intercom until I go in there and I'm like, dude, what's up? And he's totally fine. And he's sitting on his knees and he's like, my tassie. I'm like, you threw it out of the crib. What? It was right in your mouth. It's like he missed me. I don't know. He's like, yeah. I just kind of want to hang out with my dad now. It's 3.30 on the dot. We got an appointment. Right? Tassie. Right? So, see, see, babies are not ideal people. They're real people, right? So you can't control them. Okay? So when new people come into the church, right, here's what we can expect. They're going to be real people, okay, not robots, well, you should just fit into what we do here seamlessly. <laughs> so this is the way it's done, right? No, that's silliness, right? This is a real person with a real story, okay? They have a real heart, and they, they want to take hold of a real Jesus yeah. and find real family, right? Yeah. They're, they're a real person. Yeah. And you know, that means they're pro- there's probably going to be some people who join the church who don't look like you, all right? And they're not, they don't have the same background as you. They don't have the same culture as you. They don't have the same upbringing as you. They don't dress like you, you know? And, you know, guys, look, in family, it's a safe place to take off your cool, all right? You don't have to walk in here like, I'm cool, and everybody needs to take notice, Because when I go home for Thanksgiving, I wear my sweats. And I'm not not saying everybody should wear their sweats on Sunday, but maybe we should have a themed Sunday, right? But just just be yourself, okay? Just chill a little bit, all right? This is not just being an ideal person. Man, wouldn't it be awesome if we were all able to be the person that we portrayed on Instagram? It'd be wonderful. <laughs> but are you guys with me? Yeah. Right? It's, it's not just ideal people that show up. Babies are not ideal. They're inconvenient. But you know, you know what that, that helps us to do? It helps us to grow. It helps us to bear fruit. Because we don't bear fruit when everything goes the way that we want it to go. You know, we bear fruit where there's tension. We bear fruit where we take, you know, where we, where we dig in. And we take on a root system. And then we bear fruit, right? Am I, am, I, I don't know. Man. I feel like I'm preaching this 22% better and you guys are saying amen. 
I'm, I'm just kidding. No, but that, that's the first thing. Like I said, it's not a church growth sermon, okay? But I, I, I want us to be dialed in prophetically with, with what I feel is going to be uh, a natural evidence of fruitfulness as we practice family, okay? So secondly, when I speak about growth and fruitfulness, we should expect the family that we are and the family that we have to grow as well. But not just practically, I'm talking about spiritually as we as a community grow to becoming more like Jesus. Amen? Amen. How many of you guys know that as you come to church, you should become more like Jesus? <laughs> it's a novel it's a novel idea, but as we do this thing, man, called church, as we do family, guys, we should all be becoming more like Jesus, yeah. not more individualistic, yeah. but more inclusive because Jesus always finds a seat at the table for anybody who wants to eat with him. Jesus is that annoying customer in the Wendy's that like takes the table and is like, It's almost over there. And everyone's just like, oh. he's making space for more friends. That, that's Jesus, okay? He's what he does. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't practice this exclusivity so much so that it's like, you're not welcome. You can never penetrate this force field that is my family. Get out. However, at the same time, Jesus had certain relational orbits, right? I've spoke about this before. When we talk about, uh, oh, they're in my circle, right? You guys ever said that before? I think that's far too rigid to define life's relationships because you start to categorize people. They're in, they're out. That person used to be in, but now they're replaced. <laughs> they're out of my circle, right? I think it's really relational orbits, right? People, people flow and they flow out. They flow in and they flow out of your life, right? They, they orbit us. I, I, think that, I think that we can, we can say that that's fair, right? And so we see that Jesus, you know, he had 70 people that he sent out. Jesus had 12 that he walked around with. And then Jesus had three, right, that he hung out with intentionally. And they were with him when things were awesome and when, when things were really tough, Right? And so I don't think that Jesus minds clicks as much as we think he does. Did I tell you I was going to talk about truth of family, but also the tension of family? Yeah. See, the tension of family is, is that we can be inclusive, but then we can also have our three. Yeah. Yeah. You guys with me? So it's, I think that it's actually fine to, ha to, to have some exclusivity within family because then we purposefully celebrate diversity. You guys with me? I told you I'm doing some prophetic processing with you. But, but I, I actually think that cliques are not always bad. We, we have like a young singles group that has organically formed Diana's a, yeah, Austin, Austin's not single, but he's still part of the group. It's a young, you're not, you got, you're not married. You know what I'm saying? That, when you get married, everybody who's not married is single. Okay. All right. That's just how it works. So, right. Yeah. Well, nope, they're not. They're just not married yet. 
So, but you know, it, that's awesome. It's awesome that they meet together and, and, and they're not, none of them are married. That's amazing. And we should celebrate that rather than get upset that we weren't invited. Because when we celebrate that, we celebrate diversity. And if the only people that we're able to go to church with look like us, dress like us, talk like us, worship the way that we worship, you know, we're all, we're going to like have some spiritual incest, I guess. I don't know. I'm looking for a word. It, I, it's a tough one, I know, but what happens, you know, what's the byproduct of that? Craziness, foolishness, right? So that's not what we're going for, obviously. We want to celebrate diversity. We want to, we want to celebrate uniqueness. And if, if, if there are people in this church that have yet to invite you to hang out with them, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're being exclusive or clickish. because people have told me on a handful of times, I haven't used to come to your church, but it's so clickish. I'm like, great. I'm glad that people have found friends and they want to hang out with each other. That's fine with me because it's diversity. Everybody, we're all different. We all, we all hang out with different people, right? You're allowed to pick your friends. You don't have to be like close with everybody that you go to church with on Sunday, right? And that's okay because heaven is super diverse. I've beat this dead horse to death, I know, but is it helping you guys at all? Helping three. So... The the reality is, is that the result of family is growth. Everybody say growth. Growth. But also transformation. Everybody say transformation. Transformation. That's that's the result of family. And I want you guys to know that God still expects us today to be fruitful and to multiply. Do you guys believe that? God still expects that today, that we should be fruitful and we should multiply. But, But how does this happen? How do we grow? How, do, how are we transformed? That's what I want. I, I, maybe I'll just kind of allude to it. And then we have a few minutes left. So I'll kind of allude to it. You guys cool with that? Yeah. So, and maybe I'll talk more about it next week. But, but how does this happen? How, how do we grow, right? Well, God places the lonely in families. But here's the thing, guys. God doesn't just place us in family because we were lonely in our past. All right? God places us in family so that we can grow into our future. Let me say it again. God doesn't just place us in family because we were lonely in our past. God places us in family so that we can grow into our future. Amen? That's how we grow, when we stay. Everybody say stay. Stay. If we constantly uproot ourselves... We're unable to grow. Amen? And so as we stay and we honor the covenant commitment that we've made to one another, we're able to grow. And so God has placed each and every one of you in a family. You may not know where that is yet, and that's okay. It, it could be your first time here today. Maybe you've been here three or four times, and you're not sure. You're, just, you're still here. That's fine. I want you to know that's, that's great. 
that is awesome. Just, you know, check us out. We may not be the place for you. There may be another place. I could actually recommend three awesome churches in our neighborhood, you know, that I'm friends with the pastors. And so God places us in families. You know, I, I don't necessarily advocate for going to the church that you're most comfortable in. I, I think you should go to the church you're called to, you know, and, and I think you should, you should make a commitment to that family, not just to a business, but, but to, to people. And, and you should stay even when you get better opportunities elsewhere. Right? Because, because if, if, we, if we leave churches on the basis of opportunity, then we don't approach church as family. We approach the church as a business. So we shouldn't be surprised why the church doesn't feel like family when we bounce around looking for opportunities. Right? I, th- this, is on, this is like from my heart because I, I, really, I really want you to like find love, right? I really want you to grow. I'm, I'm really passionate about your growth. And I think that God places us in family for a purpose, you were placed for a purpose. You know why? Because you're called to, to expect. You're called to bear fruit. You're called to be fruitful, and you're called to multiply. And how that happens is within the context of covenant. That's how you're fruitful and you multiply. In the context of covenant family, you're fruitful and you multiply. And that's why God has placed you in family. It's not just been an aimless placement just because you were lonely someday. Uh, you know, once upon a time. But God places you in family for a purpose, and that purpose is for you to bear fruit and for you to multiply and for you to grow and become more like Jesus, transformed, and for you to also to take dominion and subdue the works of the enemy and bruise the head of the serpent. It's in family that we truly lay hold of our greatest authority. It's, 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 when we're, it's when we're together, it's when we're agreeing, it's where there are two or three, it's, it's, it's when we come together and, and we gather around the living Christ, do we see real covenant and community and family happening, that's why we've been reading Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47, come on Garner, so this right here is a prime example, right, you want to you wanna share Say hey. Hey. Can you say hallelujah? Hallelujah. Oh. Come on, ma'am. You want to give Uncle Lau a kiss? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I want to play this guitar, Pops. And see, that's a prime opportunity right there for us to just, that was not planned, but that's a sermon illustration on growth, right? When you come into family, you're so loved and accepted that you're just going to do whatever you want, right? Here's the truth of family. When you come into family, you, you're just, you feel so accepted, you're like, I'm going to express myself. Right? Because you're in family. You're in a safe place. You can be brave and courageous, and you can get up on stage in front of, you know, 100 or so people and play uh, Brian's guitar pedal without any fear of embarrassment. Why? Because we're in family. 
right? That's the truth of family. But here's the tension of family. Dad comes up and says, no, that's not when we play the pedal. You know, we do, we're going to do that afterwards. Sorry, Brian. But we're going to, you know, we're going to, right? There's a, there's a boundary. There's a rule. There's, there's a new understanding. Hey, this is what it looks like. This is how we do things here, right? Growth. Right? We grow in our understanding of how we relate to one another and, and how we grow and how we mature, not just as children, but as adults, so that we can one day then be fruitful and multiply and produce healthy offspring. Are you guys tracking with me today? <clears throat> I told you I didn't have a message. I'm, I'm talking, all right? And I, I hope it's, I hope it's, it's helpful. Um, you know, but I, I, I really do think the truth aspect of family, I'm accepted, I'm loved. Everybody's really comfortable talking about that, right? Everyone is super comfortable talking about the truth of family. But people get really uncomfortable when you start talking about the tension of family. Right? What? No one's going to tell me anything about myself or where I need to grow. Well, see, that's the tension of family. See, there's a truth in family that you're loved and that you're accepted and that it's a safe place for you to express yourself. But there's a tension of family that says, but you also learn boundaries and you're also shaped and you're also, you're formed and, and you're pressed. And there are people, you know, that do things that you don't like, but it's for your benefit in the long run because you grow and you mature and you don't mature just to be a barren fig tree. You mature to produce fruit, to feed people. I'm going to download this podcast myself. <laughs> Seriously. So in the few minutes I have left before we take communion, you know, I just, let's just pray. I, 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 I'm not going gonna, gonna to talk anymore. So this is too important to try to preach through. Uh, it, it, how many of you guys want to grow? I know you do. I know you do, because you wouldn't come to church if you, if you didn't have an interest in growing. I, I, that, I like you guys so much, because you're passionate about your growth. You're passionate about becoming more like Jesus. You're, you're passionate in, in, in looking uh, more like him. That's where you're here. That's where you worship, like the bunch of crazies that you are, right? And it, that's going to get crazier, probably. You know, so I just, you know, I just, I just want to pray. We're going to receive communion, but here's what I wanted to do today. All right. No, no pretense, but I want to pray for families and I, I want, I want, I want us to come around our families that are, that are either hurting or, or they're experiencing what the Bible calls hope deferred, which makes the heart sick. Right? So I, I know that some of you guys in here, like you, you really have been longing uh, to have children. You know, I, I've connected with a lot of, of couples and families, and I know that there's a lot of you guys, you're either, you're expecting children, uh, you're longing for children, you're wanting to have some children, or you have children now, and it's just, man, it's, it, it's tough, right? And, uh, and that's where we as a family get the opportunity to come around you and to pray for you and to bless you, all right? So if you guys don't mind, I just want to invite everybody to stand up, please. 
Because as we pray, and we're not closing right now, we're going to receive communion. But as we pray, I just I want you to engage, all right? That's why I'm asking you to stand up. I think it's easier sometimes for us to stand and engage than sit and watch. So we're going to have... Um, we're going to have a couple moms and dads uh, come down here who are going to help us. And the Newfelds are going to come. And then also Carl and Lila are going to come. And uh, Philip, if you could please, yes, help help us. And some of our ushers are going to help as well. And the, the first thing that I, that I want to invite uh, people to come, come forward uh, with is just anyone in here that you're married, you, you, you just been praying about your kids, you know, you just, you just been praying about your babies, you've been praying about your kids, I just want you to come on up to the front, we're going to gather around, we're going to pray for you, okay, don't, don't let this scare you, don't let this freak you out, but we're going to serve you communion, and we're going to pray for you, because this is what the body does for one another is that we pray for each other. I just want you to come up. Some of you guys, I I know you've been praying. Come on up, please. Please come on up. A lot of you guys, I I know your stories. You know, I I know you personally. And what a privilege. This is good. And what we're going to do, guys, we're going to serve these guys and we're going to pray for them. And, And they're all expecting different miracles in their life concerning their their babies all right but God loves he loves he loves the fruit of intimacy and covenant and so that's what we're going to pray for Um, some of our leaders and also some parents in the room all right if you're older than 60 years old and you've been married and some parents, I really want to ask the Toms to come as well. The, 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 young, the kids are going to receive communion with us this morning as well because this is a family thing. So I want to ask the Toms to come up. And if you're, if you're 55, 60 or older, or you've been married for 25 years, come up and lay hands on these guys. We want, to, we want to do this as a family. And for those of you guys who are here to receive prayer, I just want to ask you guys, go ahead and serve them where they are. Carl and Lila, go ahead and serve them where they are. So that way they can get their, their bread and their juice. Yeah, for those of you guys who are coming up, just serve and just and just hold on to it. Just just hold on to the bread and just hold on to the juice just for a moment. The body and the blood of Jesus. Because here's what we're believing for, guys. As these as these guys take hold of this communion today, that they're not just. They're not just symbolically taking hold of of the body of Christ and the blood of Jesus, but they're taking hold of their miracle, which is Jesus. And and, and just as they receive his body, as they receive his blood, they're just going to receive a breakthrough. They're going to receive a miracle in their bodies. So I think everyone has been served. So just... If you're around them, lay hands on them, guys. Lay hands on them. Just, Just start to lay hands on them right now. And so... What we're declaring as you guys take the bread in your hand, just take the cracker, the bread in your hand, is that every lash that Jesus took was for this moment right here. Every time his body was broken and bled out, it was for this moment right now. So just as you receive uh, this bread, we just say this is the body of Christ that was broken for you. Just go ahead and receive that. And you just receive 
his body. And we partner with what Jesus is doing. So just as you take the juice in your hand as well, this was the blood of Jesus that was poured out for you on the cross. As his hands and his feet were nailed to the cross and he was pierced. This was the blood that was poured out with you in mind. That was poured out for your babies. That was poured out for your children. That was poured out for your kiddos. And so as you take the blood this morning, the juice, I want you to take it and know that this is the blood of Jesus that is covering you, that's covering your womb, that's covering your kids, that's covering your family. So go ahead and receive that. The blood of Jesus that was poured out for you, that was spilled for you. And now guys, just extend your hands to these guys right now. And let's just begin to pray. And I wanna ask you to lift your voice because I think it's important that they hear the prayers of their family. Just as, as, as wind in their sails. Come on, guys. Can we just pray for them right now? God, we pray for a miracle. Lord, we pray for a miracle right now. We pray for a Lord, we say that we expect you guys just just say that with me just say we expect just let's say that again say we expect yes and we're, we're going to say it a third time but we're going to say it because we're just we're commanding our spirit we're, we're commanding our inner life to line up to this word let's just say it together we expect So for those of you guys here down here that have just received communion and have just received prayer, what I, what I want to invite you to do is is, is just kind of position yourself like our ministry team here, just along the uh, along the uh, the altar area, because we're going to receive communion as a whole. All right, everybody, the ushers are going to help us, and they're going to start to bring people up. Um, but but what I want you to do, guys, as you come up to receive communion, if you feel to just, you know, shake their hand, please. We got to keep it moving because there's a lot of us. But if you want to shake their hand, if you want to bless them, if you want to put some money in their hand, if you just want to be a blessing to them, be a blessing to them, okay? Like God is honoring them this morning and he's, he's bringing them up not only before him, but he's, he's bringing them up before all of us. And this is our family. They've come this morning with, um, with a need. They, they want a miracle in their life. And, uh, and, and we are in part responsible for that. So even if it's just looking them in the eyes and saying, I love you, that's what we're going to do. Okay? So for those of you guys who are down here, receive communion. If you don't mind, just to turn around. Ushers, help me out. We're going to start to dismiss rows. And, and please be mindful, guys. we got to keep it moving as we're, as we're coming through because there's a, there's a lot of us here. We want to make sure everyone gets served. So the ushers are going to help us. If you don't mind, just let's keep our conversations to a minimum. Let's just respect this time of communion. We're all just in a place of prayerfulness.
I've just asked Michael to just sing uh, one song for us. And um, and as we do, guys, this is how we're going to uh, finish today in worship. Just continue to come up, you know, receive your communion. Um, guys we're, gonna, we're just going to sing together all together as a family and really really activate and take hold of what we've been talking about today Just sing this together if we could, please. Oh, Come 
let's let's sing it out loud together as we're closing. cup here that's from your communion. Not, maybe not all of you guys still have it, but if you still have it, here's what I want to ask you to do, all right? I, I, want you to, I want you to trade it with someone that's standing next to you. I want you to trade your cup with them. And this week, I want you to take this cup and I want you to put it where you can see it, all right? Put it, if it's in front of your computer, put it there. Or if it's, you know, it's behind your sink where you wash dishes. But if it's in your car, just put it somewhere that you can see it, all right? Put it somewhere that you can be reminded day after day of, of the blood of Jesus that was spilled out, not just for you, but for your family. So just find somebody to trade it with real quick and, and hold on to it. Hold on to it for the week. If you'll do that, just say amen. If you'll do that, just say amen. Awesome. So Teal's going to come and, and uh, close this up, guys. I was thinking about um, something I learned in youth ministry, and it was that in John 17, the Lord asked his Father for one thing for us as the body of Christ. He asked for one thing, and it was the thing that would make us understand God's love more and understand each other more. And we describe it in youth ministry as the Lord asking for one superpower for the body of Christ. And that superpower is called unity. And so the Lord asked, if he, he could ask for anything, and he asked for unity because he knew that unity was the one thing that could make us understand not only God's love for his son, but the love from, from his son to us, which then would allow us to understand what it means to conquer something together as the body of Christ. And I think what he was really asking for was the definition of family and that that's unity. And I I felt like just the Lord was reminding me that holidays are coming and a lot of people don't have families or they're transplants. You know, a lot of people aren't from Nashville. And so we've been inviting you know, people to come and stay with us during the holidays and, you know, because as, as, as a normal human being, you feel awkward if someone says, I have no family, I'm not doing anything for the holidays. That feels a little weird. You usually would tell somebody, oh my gosh, come to my house. What is the difference between, Zulor was sharing with me, what is the difference between a holiday and a Sunday? If someone has nowhere to go or no family atmosphere on a Sunday, why is it that we don't encourage them to come spend time with us as a family. To me, I was, I, I think I was just realizing, oh, why is it that it's so offensive to me that someone's alone on a holiday, but what about this family? Why doesn't that offend me as much? And I was a little convicted. So I feel like it's an encouragement for us this week. If someone doesn't have family, be their family. That looks like it would look like if you invite them on a holiday. Have a meal with them. Provide family for them when they don't have family. I want to encourage you 
to go to the Connect Bar if you haven't yet. Get connected with us. Find out what we're doing. We want to make you family by allowing you to know what we're doing. We're going to have a ministry team come forward right now if you need anything. Um, if you need us to agree with you in prayer for anything, we would love to do that. They're going to be badged. You can find them right up front. And um, follow us on social media to get all the details for this week. That's the main place to find out everything. Okay? Thank you, everyone. God bless.